Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Steve Bloomer's Washing, your independent Derby County podcast with me, Richard Kutcher, in a fortnight where the Rams are still keeping pace with the top two, just about. But there have, of course, been some unconvincing performances along the way, to say the least. In the back end of January, we've edged past Burton, got a useful point perhaps at Lincoln, being woeful in Reading, where we could have gone top that night uh, before a morale-boosting but also unconvincing comeback win over Cheltenham at Pride Park this weekend, just gone. It's never boring, it's never easy, but we wouldn't have it any other way or expect anything different, of course. So alongside me to assess if the wheels on the promotion bus are still in place, it's Anton Martin. Hello. Hi, Kutch. Yeah, I mean, I think the wheels are, are still just about in place. They're probably running a little bit less smoothly than they were a few weeks ago. But I think the, the same can probably be said for a lot of the other promotion contenders as well. So maybe it's just the, the quality of the mechanics down in League One. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, my, my takeaway from the League One roundtable a couple of weeks ago was, yes, we're not uh, completely convinced by Derby County, but generally apart from the very optimistic Bolton fan uh, they're not particularly committed or are convinced by their own team's uh, performances and and potential fortunes either Uh, but making a welcome return to the pod after approximately 18 months away making him maybe the Martin Waghorn of SBW if you will we're also delighted to be joined by match of the day commentator and avid Rams fan Martin Fisher evening Martin Evening, Coach. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, it's good to have you on. And we have actually we've actually got a portmanteau of uh, of guests. We've got Anton Martin Fisher uh, tonight, <laughs> so uh, that's that's definitely a first for SBW. Lovely word as well, Cap. Yeah, portmanteau. I had to quickly Google that that was the correct term um, <laughs> before I threw it out there. So yeah, I hope it probably wasn't the correct term, but yeah, we'll we'll, we'll go ahead with it. Um, Martin, you covered two games last weekend featuring 10 goals and a late Derby County comeback win so you know just you know the perfect weekend for you I imagine right yeah obviously the 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 Liverpool game on Sunday was made extra special by all the Ferrari surrounding Jurgen Klopp um, and it was an incredible atmosphere and he was in good spirits afterwards and gave a good interview and obviously as you'd expect with Liverpool the football was fantastic they scored five. They scored. A, they could have scored ten. Quite frankly, they were a bit uh, wasteful with their finishing, but at least they had chances to try and finish, which is a big contrast to what we saw on Saturday at Pride Park. Two shots on target, two goals. I suppose you could say that's pretty efficient. Yeah, but overall the ninety overall the ninety minutes was pretty dire again. I'm afraid. Um, uh, I mean, when did we last play a really good ninety minutes? For me. Obviously, I don't see them as regular as I'd like to, but I, I guess the Oxford away game was the most complete performance I've seen from us for a long while. And January seems to have just been a month where we've just struggled to find any kind of rhythm at all. Yeah, hung in there. We did We did have a couple of questions come in for you, uh, Martin, on the SVW Patreon when I mentioned uh, that you'd be on tonight. So 
you did uh, Derby for Radio 1 Saturday, as we said, and then Liverpool versus Norwich, as you mentioned, on, on Sunday. I know we've talked about this before, but how long kind of does your prep generally take for a game? And, and, that, and how different is your approach when it comes to commentating for TV versus doing it for radio? Um, I always over prep. Um, I always, I mean, the notes I've got for, for the Derby game on various players and stuff that, you know, just I don't know if you, how much of that you can see, but, you know, there's loads of stuff about all the players and I don't think I mention more than three of these comments throughout <laughs> the game. The thing with radio, of course, is that you're talking so much and you don't really want to take your eyes off what's happening in front of you because if you do that, you might miss a crucial pass that leads to a chance or a goal and you're talking nonsense about... <clears throat> You know, the last time Nathaniel Mendes Lang um, played for Guatemala or something like that, which is a, yeah. which is not really what the supporters at home want to know about. They want to know where the ball is and is there likely to be a goal in the next few minutes. For TV, there's a bit more breathing space. Although the way that Norwich played on Saturday on Sunday, there wasn't because they were trying to play out from the back. Liverpool pressed them high, and again, if you took your eye off for a second, suddenly there was a chance, and and you've missed that as well. So, you know, you over prepare, I think, rather than under prepare. Well, as he said, it was Pride Park on Saturday. So let's remind ourselves of the winning moments when it came from Collo's right foot. Bradley feeding Wilson in front of us here on the derby right. Up the line for Mendes Lang. Collins is in the box. Thompson in there as well. Great Mendes ball. Lang cross. Collins gets in there! That is special from James Collins. Collins provides a magnificent finish on the volley, falling backwards, and Derby lead 2-1 with 10 to go. Is it awkward listening to yourself back like that, Martin? A little bit, <laughs> little bit, little bit uncomfortable. Um, but uh, when you call it right, it's, it's reassuring. Um, mm. And it's nice as well that, you know, when the ball went up the right-hand side, I could see that Collins was in the middle, so... He, you're aware that there might be something that comes from it. So that worked well. Adam Bolden nearly knocked me over with his celebrations. And uh, <laughs> in the excitement, the little heat map that I got on my seat, I'll tell you about those in a moment, that disconnected from the mains, went <laughs> flying across the press box. So I had to go re- retrieving that later on. So so that was uh, that was worth it, though. A, a late winner um, when it looked like we we're plodding our way towards a point. And the, I mean, the two goals were great. And they were so out of keeping with the rest of the quality of the game, which, as I said, was was substandard again. Um, but, you know, I'm sure we've heard it many, many times down the years. If you can win your games when you're not playing well, it bodes well for your chances of success. And, and give me a team that wins every week and doesn't play very well, rather than a team that plays brilliant, expansive football and never wins. Yeah, I was going to say, I was going to ask you, Anton, about about that exact question regarding you know not not playing well and winning. Before I say that, I'll just say that I I do I find Adam Bold a great value on BBC Radio Derby. I think he's one of my probably is my favourite or my preferred co-commentator at the moment uh, because he does kind of bring that passion. I love him as a player uh, when he when he played for Derby. But on on Martin's point, Anton regarding Derby, uh, you know, getting that win, getting that three points after some you know a few disappointing results and and a few more disappointing performances along the way this month does that give you confidence that Derby could hang in there to the end of the season obviously we're four points off leaders Portsmouth um Portsmouth with a game in hand now after their draw at Oxford in the midweek uh Bolton and Peterborough you know above them but having you know games in hand on us uh, above Oxford sorry and having games in hand on us it was essential to win again but it wasn't convincing but they got the job done and we've done that a few times maybe a few too many times uh for our liking yeah, I mean, as Martin said, it's it's certainly a positive trait to be able to win when you're not playing well. All the, all the most successful sides are able to do that, as long as it doesn't become a habit of, of not playing well, because then it doesn't become sustainable. But I think if you look at the last two to three months worth of performances for Derby, certainly on that run of, uh, what was it, 10, 10 wins in 12, even even the the biggest critics of Warren would say that we we did dominate most of those games and the performances were pretty good over the last couple of weeks. The the performances certainly have dipped, but we've continued to pick up some points. It, it has been a, a, a tricky few weeks from a a squad perspective. We've picked up a few injuries. We've had Niambi 
offer AFCON, who's been a hugely important part of, of this team this season. So once those players start coming back and, and once we get Niambi back in the team and we're able to push Wilson back up, you'd hope that we'd start seeing the performances that, that brought us that really successful run throughout December. Um, and the fact that we're still still right up there within within shooting distance of the top two, I think is a really positive uh, story to take from the last few weeks, as long as we can turn it around sooner rather than later. But we've got the fixtures coming up and potential players coming back to, to make me relatively optimistic that we can do that. Yeah, I take your point. I mean... Obviously, there were plenty of games in that in that great run where we did dominate and we did win relatively convincingly or impressively, or we got ourselves out of jail. Like against Oxford, as Martin said, like we were two or down, but we didn't deserve to be two or down, and we did turn it round, and that that was probably one of the best performances of the season, you know, ninety minutes wise. But I just worry that we're not regularly convincingly beating teams, and so when there is that slight drop off, like against Reading, like against Lincoln, like against Cheltenham you know, we only just lose or just draw against those teams or just beat those teams. Like, if we could just get that, if that consistency could just be another 5%, 10%, or that quality could be 5 or 10, 5% or 10% higher consistently, I think we would be perfectly, I think we're perfectly capable of getting top two. But, but who, just, who, who is that consistent in this league, though, Catch? Yeah, but just because other teams are equally bad doesn't mean that we shouldn't aspire to be better. Like, yeah. I, I take your point, it is a poor league, but that's even more reason why... We should be five points clear of the of the chasing pack. There's plenty of games this season where points have been left out there or we've just not turned up. Cheltenham away is a good example. Reading away, I was at Reading away. It was abysmal. Like It was one of the worst performances I've ever seen Derby produce, which is saying something because we've produced plenty of bad performances for the last 10 years. It was awful. The second half, they, did not, they just didn't look interested, which I'm sure, I know that's a cliche, and I know it's dramatic, and I'm sure they were interested, and I'm sure they did care, but it didn't look like it. Reading just wanted it more. Reading players wanted it way more, and and they deservedly won, and they probably could have won by more, and we didn't even look like threatening. So I, this team, as I said before, playing times of season, this team has got way more in it than it's showing. Even, even during that good run, I still think it had more going for it. Martin, do you think there is... Do you think there is plenty of untapped quality or untapped potential in that team that we're just, for whatever reason, we're just not seeing it? Um, well, I hope so, uh, because otherwise we're going to be stuttering on for quite some while. I think too many players at the moment are underperforming for whatever reason, whether or not they are feeling the the effects of a long, grueling campaign already. And, and with that, I'm sort of pushing my thoughts towards Conor Harahan, who in his early 30s is, might be feeling it a bit more than others. Um, Nathaniel Mendes-Lang perhaps isn't dominating games as much as he was earlier on in the season but I would counter that by saying he is and remains our most dangerous player in my opinion um, as illustrated at the weekend you know he didn't do as much as you would want him to do but it was his cross that set up the winning goal he had the confidence and that little bit of skill and speed to take on the defender put in a really good ball that was that was thrashed home by Collins. So maybe you could say there's one, and I'd say Cashin as well at the moment. I think his performances over the last month have been below par as well. Um, you look at the Peterborough game and the two goals that we considered late on were both really his fault. You know, the, the, the corner that came in for the equaliser, he'd switched off. He was actually pulling up his sock as the as the cross was coming in, and that meant that he was not quite aware of who he should be picking up when the cross came in. And then obviously for the third goal, he's trying to clear it once, twice, three times and made a mess of it each time. And him and Nelson got in each other's way. So maybe Cash's performances have just dropped a bit as well, which is a sign of how well he has been playing throughout the season and, and ever since he came in the team, really, that you expect Cashin to be outstanding and excellent every single week. When he isn't, you think, hang on a minute, Cashin's making mistakes and occasionally they lead to goals. So maybe there's just a general malaise in the team at the moment. And I don't know what has to happen for that to to improve, whether or not it is team changes, whether it is a, a change of shape, or whether it is something as basic as Niambi coming back from Africa Cup of Nations duty, coming in at right back, you know you're going to get a job from him. You can push Wilson further forward. And then you've got three of your regular back four in the defence again. And you've got that 
solidity again. Yeah, I did think, I'd, and Anton touched on it before, and you just touched on it there, Martin, that Nyambi has been a massive miss at right back, but equally, if not more so, we've missed Kane Wilson further forward, I think, as, as a, just another yeah. option and, and another bit of quality. And, and, and Barkhausen kind of, I don't feel like Barkhausen ever lets anyone down, but he just, for some reason, it's just not quite working for him generally in the final third, whereas Wilson just makes things happen. He, he, he confident he's going to beat his player. Anton, presuming that Nyambi is is fit to play on Saturday, and I think there's some question marks about that because he didn't he didn't play at all in the Namibia Angola uh, knockout game when he would have been a definite starter and he would have been off the bench if he if he was fit enough. So I think there's a big question mark over that. But if we were presuming that he maybe would be available and fit this weekend, would you bring him straight back in at right back? And then considering that we've got uh, Corey Blackett Taylor who we'll come on to later, and Nathaniel Mendes Lang and Kane Wilson and Tom Barkhausen, where, where, where would you want to be getting Kane Wilson back starting further forward again? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I, I definitely would bring the Ambi straight back in if he is fit and he's he's kind of not not too tired after all the travelling this week. Um, because as, as Martin says, he provides that solidity across that back line, which we've been massively missing over the last few weeks. Um, Wilson's been one of our best players going forward this season, as has Mendes Lang. So I, I think you would go with both of those with Blackett Taylor coming off the bench. Um, I think Blackett Taylor could have a big part to play this season, and it's absolutely fantastic to have that competition in those wide places. I, I don't think those wide positions are, are where we where, where anyone thinks we have too many issues at the moment. It's more it's more centrally where um, there are question marks but having that competition and having that depth in those wide positions and having players to come off the bench to influence games is a real positive Blackett Taylor it will take a little bit of time to set settle in I think that's set, fair to say he started against Cheltenham and didn't get a huge amount of service um, neither did Mendes Lang over on, on on the other wing either but it will take him a little bit of time to settle into the, the system that Warren wants to play. So I'm not too averse to, to having him come off the bench if, if we have Wilson and, and Mendes Lang in those two wide positions. So that's how I'd go if, if Nyambe's fit. Um, I definitely want to get Wilson further forward because that's where he, he can impact games and, and, as you say, create space. Uh, where we want it to further up the field. Yeah, and I think, you know, I don't want to get into the, uh, we've done this debate before on the podcast, you know, kind of to boo or to not to boo. Uh, and there were plenty of boos, I think, at half time against Cheltenham. Um, I'm not a booer myself, but I'd probably say that on the run of form I've seen recently and the performance against Cheltenham, I not don't necessarily blame anyone for booing at half time. Uh, in that game, uh, but Paul Warren himself also agreed. He said, "I don't think we were des- we were deserved of the win. Cheltenham played the pitch better than we did. It was definitely a game for winter football, whatever that means. Uh, they stretched us first half, and they ran in behind. We didn't show any character on the ball. We played safe. We didn't have any aggression in our game. We were booed off at half time, and that was understandable. I subconsciously booed myself." Uh, I don't know if he means if he was booing himself or he was booing <laughs> himself, uh, but I, it could be both. I guess it is probably both. Um, Martin, what's your general reaction, whether you're commentating or in, or in actually in as a fan at a game where you hear uh, your fellow fans booing a team off, our team off at half time or at full time? Do you generally feel it's not particularly helpful, or do you kind of understand the sentiment? I, I don't like to hear it, but I would absolutely defend the right of all supporters to show their reaction to the team's performance at half time, whether that's jeering or booing or giving them a, a standing ovation. What I, what I would object to is, or what I don't like to hear, is when fans are on the backs of the team during the game, because that that doesn't help them at all. But mm. at the end of the first half, when it has been that bad, um, I think the players half expect the fans to to show some kind of negative reaction to that. Um, I've got more of a problem with the ironic cheers for Harriham when he was substituted in the second half. I don't agree with that at all. There's no need for that. He's he's going through a really bad patch at the moment um, and it's a time for supporters to get behind him. Now, I'm not suggesting that you applaud him as he comes off and say, great game or anything, but you don't need to stick the boot in. We knew that, that those cheers were hugely sarcastic and it didn't really help anybody. But in terms of half-time showing your emotions and booing the players off, and even at full-time, if, if they've lost and played badly like at Reading, 
then, uh, you know, absolutely, I think they've got every right to do so. Oh, yeah, I was going to ask about Conor Harahan, Anton. I mean, five goals, seven assists this season on course to post. Pretty, you know, pretty similar numbers to last season when he got seven goals and ten assists. He's obviously had some big moments this season. I think there's no doubt he's going to produce those, you know, swung in the cross for Cashin's winner at Oxford, got the winner at Burton. I think an average rating on whoscored.com of 6.92, which I think is good, but not amazing. Just one man in the match this season. Uh, award. You know, not everyone always agrees with those man of match awards, so maybe you could have had more or less. And then there's, you know, again, at Reading, I thought he was dreadful. You know, there was very simple passes just going straight off the pitch, under no pressure. The man he was passing to was under no pressure and it just went off the pitch. And he wasn't the only one, but I thought his performance stood out as particularly bad uh, against Reading and, and maybe does follow a pattern. My My issue with this is that he obviously has his moments and he obviously has quality and he obviously has a role to play. We do have other midfielders in the building. Fauna, Thompson's back from injury. And I just feel like why wait until a player is obviously knackered or out of form to freshen it up, which he hasn't actually done. He keeps playing him. Um, when you could actually rotate a bit earlier and get ahead of it. And you know, if you had a fresh Conor Harahan, maybe he wouldn't be making a simple mistake because he obviously is a good player and he obviously has got a lot to bring to the team. But for whatever reason, we're not getting that out of him on a regular basis or the consistency of performance isn't there. So, Anton, what's, what's your, is, there, is there a problem to solve? Or, and if there is, what's your solution to it? Yeah, I wonder if that point you made around kind of not dropping him is, is a victim of him ba- being made captain of the team because it, mm. it makes it a much more difficult des- decision to, to drop the captain. It's, it's much, much bigger news, I suppose. As you say, there's no doubting the quality of Harahan and, and he has had some big moments and he is the player you'd like the ball to fall to on the edge of the area if if you do have a, a, a chance like we saw in the Burton game. And without a doubt, he's got the quality from set pieces as well, which is why I imagine Paul Warren likes him. Um, Warren has a big emphasis on on set pieces and, and how how dangerous that can be, certainly in tight games. But... I, I think he would benefit from a break without a doubt. He's he's looks a bit leggy at the moment, and he's he's certainly not good in a good run of form. But I think it's it's more of a question of of the balance of of the midfield three more than the individuals within the midfield themselves and, the, and those performances. We've we've spoken about it on the podcast this season a, a couple of times around Harrahan and Bird working together. Um, it doesn't really have the physicality and, and the energy, which I, I think is necessary against many League One teams. And we certainly saw that against Cheltenham at the weekend. They were, they were hounding us every time they got the ball, and, and that wasn't very often. Um, but they, they won the ball so often in, in our half. The, the goal that they scored was created by lack of desire or, or, or certainly more desire from the Cheltenham players and a lack of legs and a lack of energy for from... Harahan and Bird. So I, I wonder whether uh, getting a Thompson, getting a, a Fauna um, or getting a, an Ebu Adams, who I'm sure we'll come on to talk to a, a little bit later, talk, talk about a little bit later, I should say, into that midfield just helps the balance a little bit more because with Harahan and Bird in there, it just doesn't seem to, to quite work. Yeah. And your point about him being captain, making it harder to drop him, completely agree with that. You know, the, the great Great example I'd point to would be in Rugby Union where Owen Farrell keep, kept getting being made captain and then you've got a problem in the centres and number 10 of who you play because you have to shoehorn him in. Um, with Harahan, what frustrates me even more is if if Paul Warner has taken the proactive step a couple of weeks ago when they could spot, they're always saying how they analyse players and they track their, their, track their data and they can tell when they're hitting a red zone or whatever. If he'd been proactive on that and just gave him a rest and said, oh, I'm resting him because he needs a rest, no one would blink about that no one would bat an eyelid when he's in when he's in you know decent form now if he drops him it's a story because he's obviously playing badly and you need to get him out of the team but if you're proactive and just get a couple of weeks ahead of that which i'm sure they can predict because they're meant to be clever and tracking this stuff then it wouldn't be an issue you drop you you rest him you don't drop him and then you hopefully bring him back in and and you see his performance levels stay at a decent level but you know we've talked about um that lack of aggression in in midfield and we were going to actually share some thoughts from the SBW social media followers on that exact question how do we get more aggression into midfield but just in half but just half an hour before we started recording as Anton mentioned Derby County did announce the loan signing of Ebu Adams 
from Cardiff City. Now, my main knowledge of Adams is actually managing him on Football Manager for Forest Green Rovers two or three years ago, um, which isn't obviously particularly helpful. But I do know his general profile as a player. I think most people know Football Manager is pretty scarily accurate uh, nowadays. Um, he was you know, very highly rated. Uh, I think I think when the name of the current loser manager has gone out of my head, Rob Edwards. When Rob Edwards went to Watford, I think he was keen to take him with him to Watford, but he ended up going to Cardiff instead. Um, highly rated, integral part of that very good Forest Green Rovers promotion team with, with Kane Wilson. Earned that move to Cardiff City off the back of it, but it hasn't really worked out from there. Some injury problems last season. He's also been at AFCON in the last month, so not been available for Cardiff then. He's only made 11 appearances in 18 months for Cardiff. Uh, so for many, I don't really think midfield is a priority area to strengthen. In my opinion, we actually have the right players available. He's Paul Warren just maybe isn't playing them in the right way or the system isn't suiting them. But Martin, uh, what do you make of that signing, both from what you know of Ebu Adams, but also if we needed that kind of player in the building? Well, like most people listening to this, I knew very little about Ebu Adams until about four hours ago uh, and then hastily had a look at him through my various uh, sites that I use um, and it, it it hasn't brought great enthusiasm from my part you mentioned 11 games this season in the championship he's only started three of those um, his last start was the 16th of December when they lost 3-0 at Hull and his other two starts were also defeats and were widely apart so he started against QPR in August and they lost and he then played again in October away at Middlesbrough and they lost um, his last appearance, as I'm sure everybody knows now, was for Gambia in the AFCON. And he played one of their group games against Senegal and was sent off after 45 minutes. So his last season, uh, and last season obviously he had loads of injuries, it doesn't suggest to me that he's going to be a massive improvement on what we've already got at the club. And Paul Warner's has already talked regularly about <clears throat> there being no point signing players unless they improve what he's got already at the football club. So. It's almost as though we brought in a body just to placate those people saying we need to bring in some bodies rather than bringing in somebody that will necessarily improve the quality of the squad. Now, having said that, in terms of Tyrese Fauner and, and Liam Thompson, I think they bring, well, certainly Thompson brings energy to the side and enthusiasm. Tyrese Fauner, I'm afraid whenever I've seen him, I've been vastly disappointed. Um, he played a decent cameo on, on Saturday. But uh, the last time I saw him start a game was in the EFL Trophy against Bradford. Now, he wasn't alone in this because that was a shocking first half as well. But he was hauled off at half-time because he was so, so bad. He was giving the ball away. He was holding on to possession for far too long when there were simple passes to be made. Now, whether or not Paul Ward feels that maybe Adams is a better bet than, than Fauna in that, in that role that we need from somebody in the midfield to get about there, I don't know, but um, certainly if if we were looking to strengthen the midfield, it wasn't um, a player from the Championship who barely has kicked a ball in the Championship this season that I was hoping that we would sign. Anton, what's your view? I think I think you think maybe the the recent injury history is a, a bit of a a bit of a red herring or a bit a bit of a freak that we could perhaps hopefully, if we're being optimistic, put aside. Yeah, I suppose on on the injuries, um, I did a little bit of digging myself it, it was a torn pectoral muscle which uh, put him out for, for a number of months last year which is an absolute freak I've never heard of that one come up in, in football injuries before and then he got done by um, a chip kneecap a, wasn't it? a chip kneecap um, which again is, is a little bit of a freak hopefully neither of those sound like reoccurring injuries like you would get with with a, a muscle injury the likes of the the ones that John Jules keeps picking up so hopefully the injuries are, are behind him and he can put together a, a spell in the, the the team um I mean in terms of what he brings to the team I, I'm I'm basing my knowledge purely on stats like you are, Kutch, because I, I haven't seen him in the flesh uh, much at all. But by the sounds of his time at Forest Green Rovers, he, he certainly put himself about and he won a lot of duels, tackles and headers um, comparing to, to other midfielders in the league. And, and that's something that we don't necessarily have a huge amount of 
in the midfield. Yeah. Um, if we go back to the question of balance, if we have a bit of a ball winner alongside uh, someone like a Harrow and a Bird who can who can actually do the pretty stuff, get the ball moving, get it up to Mendes Lang and Kane Wilson and and Blackett Taylor who can do the damage, then maybe that's um, that is something that we need within the team. I mean, back to Martin's point around just getting a body in in and and perhaps being a bit underwhelmed by by the signing and and hoping that we could get someone of a bit more quality. I do take your point on that, Martin, but the the January transfer window is is notoriously hard to find those types of players. If if you look at any centre midfielder who's who's playing week in week out in the Championship or even League One, you're going to have to be putting in a, a, a pretty healthy fee um to 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 entice that player um away from the club even, even if it is possible and and we all know the financial well we don't know the financial situation of derby but it's pretty likely that we're unable to do that um certainly not to to enough of an extent to to get a, a, a decent player in so it's it's a challenging window for anyone but particularly derby at the moment so don't forget you can support sbw on patreon this season you'll get bonus episodes exclusive competitions you can join our private discord community which is incredibly active and all patrons get a discount on our range of sbw derby county beer mats which have been flying off the shelves since we've launched them last year so simply head over to patreon.com forward slash Steve Bloomers Washing and join us for as little as £3 per month to claim all of those great benefits. Radio, Christie, is back. Still Christie. Oh, yes! Well, it's a great goal for Derby County, first of all, in their plight. But it's the end of a long, barren run for Malcolm Christie. Going back to mid-December when he last scored in the Premiership. Hi, I'm Nathaniel Mendes-Lang and you're listening to Steve Bloomer's Washington. So yeah, my problem with on the midfield discussion, Anton, my kind of issue with it, and I touched on it before, is if he's going to play Adams, he could be a good signing. I think he, he possibly could bring the thing to the midfield we're lacking. Obviously, I think they were hoping for Fauna to bring more in that role as breaking the play up, getting about, being box to box. Obviously, earlier this season, he was keen, on, and last season, he was keen to play Matt Bird much further forward, more in a number 10 position, and have someone else play alongside Connor Harahan. Whereas in recent weeks and months, we've been playing Bird and Harrahan deep together with a Sibley or a John Jules or, or Barkhausen or someone, or Mendes Lang even playing as a second striker or, or as a number 10. With mixed results, I think a lot of the, a lot of people believe that Harrahan and Bird together just doesn't work. I think it can work in certain games or if we were playing a different way, if we were playing a high possession type of football with lots of movement around them and movement you know, further forward like Rossini tried to play, I think Bird and Harrahan could work. As a, as a two but in the way that Warren wants to play they're not Warren type midfielders in my view particularly not as a pair but if he plays if Fauna was uh, more in favour I think Fauna could play alongside Connor Harrahan or Mats Bird or if Thompson maybe got a run he could play in that role and then he could play someone else further forward so if he's just going to sign Adams and leave him on the bench and keep persisting with Bird and Harrahan I don't see the point of it uh, but if he's playing if he's bringing Adams in possibly to move Bird further forward, maybe that that could be interesting. What do, what do you think of that, Martin? Could you see Bird moving back into that more advanced position, which we saw? I think I think Burton away was a good example of that this season, uh, where he kind of uh, had a real impact. Yeah, I, personally, I prefer Bird a bit deeper, but not necessarily alongside Harahan. Um, I think when he's got more of the, the the pitch in front of him to play passes and get on the ball a lot, I think one of the problems with him playing a bit further up the pitch is that he rarely sees the ball at times there's periods where he doesn't see the ball at all and, and that's useless for a baller of, of Bird's quality. So we've got to find a way of getting him involved. I think, as we were saying earlier, I think time has come now for Warren just to grasp the nettle really with the, the whole Harahan issue and just say, right, OK, well, I'm, I'm going to take you out for a, for a couple of games just to refresh you uh, and just try and change it in the midfield slightly. Now, whether or not that is to play Bird a bit deeper, whether or not he's going to throw Adam straight in, I doubt it, but he, he might do. But from what we saw in the last half an hour against Cheltenham, it might be worth just just starting with the legs of Thompson in there and also the the energy of Fauna um, and just playing 
three there with Bird a bit deeper than the other two. The other two can get about the pitch and, and press Charlton's defence and their midfield. And we've got the, the quality down the wing to, to cause them problems. That's the way I'd go for this weekend. Yeah, well, talk, talking about uh, the wing, obviously we did sign Corey Black at Taylor um, a, a couple of weeks ago, just before the Reading game. I think you know, most people are pretty excited about that signing, proven uh, League One quality. Uh, he's had a good season for Charlton, had a good season for Charlton last season as well. I think it was 300k has been the mooted uh, fee for him, which has been structured as a loan this season, uh, which will then turn into a permanent transfer next season. But it's a 300k loan fee because of different pots. Uh, and I'm sure Dominic Dietrich could explain that better than I did. But um, anyway, essentially, it's a £300,000 transfer uh, structured as a loan and then a permanent signing. Anton, what, what, is, did that excite, did that signing excite you? And as you said, I think we didn't see a lot of him in his in his debut, his home debut, his, his first start against Cheltenham. But do you think that is kind of the, the much-needed added quality and added depth that we were looking for in, in those wide areas. It, it certainly excited me. I think that feeling was reflected across the majority of the fan base, certainly on our Discord channel and what mostly what I've seen on Twitter. I think everyone was, was really happy at the signing. Um, unfortunately, it came at the, the day before a pretty disappointing display, which kind of ruined all of the optimism across the fan base. Um, but I, I, I was relatively surprised we were able to get a player of that quality um, in through through the door this this window. So I was, I was surprised and and pleased with that. As I say, it, as I said earlier, it will probably take a few weeks for him to to get fully embedded. But I think it it does provide that much needed depth in those wide positions. It's it's slightly disappointing that. We've we've kind of focused on maybe those wide positions rather than a striker because I, th- I think the number one priority for for us as a as a team and I'm sure Warren would be um, in agreement with this is is that we need extra bodies up front because James Collins bless him he's he's put his his absolute heart into everything over the last couple of months and he, mm. he's played out of his skin and and chipped in with a fair number of goals but. It's only so long that can that can sustain for for the remainder of the season. We we can't rely on him to to play absolutely every minute. So I really hope we get a body through the door to to help James Collins alongside uh, John Jules Waghorn and Washington's injuries. Yeah, I mean the the fact we're literally just left with James Collins James Collins as our only out and out striker is. Yeah, I guess it's unfortunate and it's unlucky in the sense that Washington and Waghorn have both been out for prolonged periods. But it does feel a little bit careless, doesn't it, Martin, that we've got to this point in the season. We're in a proper promotion race where we have a real chance of making the top two. And for whatever reason, whether it's lack of financial means or poor recruitment or lack of imagination, we just keep getting linked to ex-Darby or Rotherham players, which doesn't really excite anyone. What do you make of that? How how have we ended up in a situation where we, we're still relying on James Collins, who, as Anton says, I can't fault him. He's been fantastic. He's going to get more than 20 league goals by the looks of it this season yeah. if he stays fit, which I imagine he will do because he just does. Yeah, I mean, he's stepped up to the plate massively, hasn't he, James Collins, to be fair to him. And, and just looking at the stats, he, he's been involved in every league game this season. Of the 29, he's started 22 and he's started the last 14 in a row since the end of October. And in terms of goals, as you say, 18 in all competitions, 13 of those have come in the league and five of those in his last six. So whilst the team didn't have a good January, James Collins has. It's a good job he has stepped up to the plate, though, because for saying that we signed two strikers permanently and brought in another one in the first part of the season, their contribution has been minimal. You know, take away Martin Waghorn's hat-trick at Peterborough and you've forgotten that he's really at the club. Connor Washington has been effective occasionally. But you know, if you if you sign players the wrong end of thirty, inevitably little strains and pulls and what have you are more likely than if you sign players that are in their mid twenties. And one of the things that Paul Warren was saying again in the recruitment was he got he wanted players in that that twenty four to twenty eight category. Um, and there were one or two players that he said he looked at that he binned off for a variety of reasons. One of which was brought up. I don't think he could. Could he play in front of twenty five thousand regularly? I think the player he was talking about is is rattling twenty goals for a, another League One team. And of course, whilst you're playing in front of twenty twenty five thousand at the Pride Park Stadium, you don't play in front of twenty five thousand away from home. So 
it didn't really yeah. make much sense to me. So something that there must have been something else that was going on there because I, I couldn't follow that one. Um, and it's difficult not to point again at recruitment and say the recruitment's been poor. You mentioned earlier about Harahan being made captain. Well, I think the only other person that was really banded about to be the captain was Sonny Bradley. And I was surprised that it went to Harahan and not, and not Bradley. But had it gone to Bradley, he would have had that decision about whether or not to drop his captain within the first two weeks of the season, which would have been absolutely crazy. So there haven't been enough positives in terms of players we've brought in for us to look at the recruitment of the within the club and say that's been uh, that's been fantastic. But thank, as I say, thank goodness for James Collins because if he gets injured, we are in big big trouble. Yes, you could argue you could play Mendes Lang up top occasionally, Barkhausen as well, but they're not centre forwards um, that that play there regularly. So I, I think we'd be found wanting there. So we've got what a day to get a striker in. And the two strikers we appear to be most heavily linked with uh, at the moment are Lee Gregory, formerly of this parish, and uh, Michael Smith, uh, who I think was a Rotherham player and is at Sheffield Wednesday. And they're both actually Lee Gregory is also at Sheffield Wednesday. And one of our Discord, uh, one of our patrons on Discord, just put a few minutes ago that uh, Lee Gregory is not in the Sheffield Wednesday squad tonight, but Michael Smith is on the bench. So uh, read into that what you will. If you were to read into that, I, I imagine you, you'd say that Lee Gregory is maybe more readily available uh, than Michael Smith. I think we've been trying for Michael Smith all of summer and all of January, and it sounds like Sheffield Wednesday are asking too much for, for, for what Derby's appetite is. And Tom, would, would Lee Gregory be... Is it, would he get you off your seat? <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think you know the answer to that one, Catch, to be honest. Um... <laughs> I don't think either of them particularly excite, but it's it's got to that desperate time where we just need a body to to fill fill plug that gap, at least until we 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 can get Waghorn and Washington back fit, which we don't know at the moment how long that's going to be. I, I I think with both Waghorn and Washington, they have had their moments this season and have have shown that they they bring something to the team, but getting them fit has, has been the biggest challenge. I, I, I think the, the options are going to be so limited at this stage of the, the January transfer window with, with a day left. Oh, I think anybody's better than nobody at this point, but it certainly doesn't excite me. Uh, Martin, M- Michael Smith, I, I, not that I'm particularly excited because I think it's another 30-year-old plus player in a similar mould, I believe, to James Collins, maybe a, maybe a bit bigger. Um, but similar mould in terms of being that target man. He, he, Michael Smith does strike me as someone that, you know what, if we get him in, he could he could be the difference between finishing third and second. Yeah. To be fair, Coach, Michael Smith was the one that I wanted us to sign in the summer. Um, mm. Saw a bit of him last season for Sheffield Wednesday. Yes, he's got his, his limitations, but he does what it says on the tin. He's, he's a big lad who wins lots of balls in the air, scores penalties, Every time he gets the chance to do so, um, and out of the two, you know, this is this is dangerous because it could well be that by the other time this is broadcast, we've got the other one. But yeah. out of the two, I would prefer Michael Smith, um, Lee Gregory. Again, you know, you, you look at him and look at what he's done this season. Um, he hasn't played very often. I think his last start was October, and his only only goal this season was on the opening day of the season. So. If he comes in, is he ready to come straight into the team or is he going to be another one that takes two, three, four weeks to get uh, properly match fit for what we need him from? By which time, Messrs Waghorn and Washington might be ready as well and we might have three somethings squabbling for a place on the bench to see who should come on for James Collins in the closing stages. Um, and he's also 35 league, Gregory. So, again, you know what he, what he would bring is loads of experience. Yeah. As would Smith, because they've seen it, they've been there. Both were involved in playoffs last season and a successful playoff final. So on that side, there's a tick. But um, again, one of those excites me more than the other one. But we'll see what develops, if anything develops. With, with all of that in mind, it's, it's, it was slightly surprising to me to to see Dejon Brown go out on loan. Because if if we're just looking for a body in there, and I, I do agree that Michael Smith would probably be the better option out of those two, but if you're just looking for a body in there, such as Lee Gregory, then why not get one of the youngsters getting some experience in the, in the first team? We've seen Brown doing some pretty Im- impressive things in the under-23s. I know it's a big step up, but 
is that not a better option of getting someone with a bit more experience with a lot of resale value and, and potential to to actually do big things over the coming years? I think I think in in Lee Gregory's defence, you know, as as Martin said, he was part of a promotion winning team last season. He did start the season in the Sheffield Wednesday team, albeit a very poorly performing one. And he does bring that experience. And at this stage, it is literally just can we get a body in which will contribute something? You know, whether it's taking taking the load off James Collins for 20 minutes a game, you know, being being a threat at the end of a match when we need something else in the final third, being just, just another striker option. I take your point about Brown, Antoine. I'd love to see some of our youngsters. I think the under-23s have been, you know, if we're going to criticise recruitment, we maybe also should recognise that there has been some good recruitment lower down the club um, in, in the academy and in the under-23s, which was completely asset stripped during administration. Um, and there are some good players there, and maybe we'd like to see Warren give them more of a chance. But if I'm being harsh on Warren, I don't think he's the kind of coach which is going to develop young players in the way that modern players want to be developed. So I don't know how how far that would get you to honest putting putting young kids in this team. But yeah, look, Lee, I I would take Lee Gregory or Michael Smith because we definitely need another another striker body. I think I agree with you both. Michael Smith is probably the preferred option, but he's the premium option if we put it that way the premium Sheffield Wednesday reserve option uh is Michael <laughs> Smith and the and the and the budget option is is uh Lee Gregory no offense to uh Lee Gregory um so bearing all that in mind uh we'll just do we're kind of yeah end of January it feels like a landmark part of the season we're about to enter the dreaded February yeah. which me and Anton will be at Charlton away on Saturday so we look forward to rain <laughs> ringing in <laughs> February with uh the feet at Charlton um, Martin, uh, if you were to get your crystal ball out and consider where Derby will finish uh, after four to six league games, where are you plumping for? It's incredibly difficult, isn't it? Uh, I think we're in a slightly better position in terms of points gained at this stage than we were last year. I think I had a look earlier and I think we're three points better off this season than last season. Of course, it was around the second part of the season last year when it suddenly tailed off quite dramatically. Um, and we slid from being a team that might challenge Ipswich and Plymouth for automatic promotion to a team that finished up missing out in the playoffs. Um, I just don't want to be involved in the playoffs at all. Um, of course, it's better to be in them than not, as we <laughs> were last year. Obviously. <laughs> I'd, I'd take sixth if it has to be sixth, but um, I'm not convinced that, that this Derby County team over two legs and the final at Wembley would, would actually have the necessary attributes to come through the challenge that, that we know all about. As for the fans, it'd just be horrendous for us because, um, you know, we've had far too many failures in playoffs to remember. So can we get top two? Well, the one positive is that there's nobody running away with it. Um, Portsmouth have had their, their blip. They have strength. They have strengthened in the, in the January window. Whether or not those players will have a big impact remains to be seen. Bolton, the team I'm really worried about. I think they've got a great manager. Um, obviously, last season they were terrific. Their squad's changed a bit, but they've brought in another lad from Liverpool that might have a similar impact to uh, to Bradley did last season. If they if they do that, that that's fantastic. Peterborough, well, no doubt they're the best team I've seen players at Pride Park this season. I thought they were terrific that day, albeit the two goals they scored late on were really from our errors rather than them opening up as they did throughout the ninety. But I then did see them recently in the third round of the cup against Leeds at home. And I know Leeds are a championship team, but they didn't look quite as formidable. So I'm hoping that maybe Peterborough don't have the stamina to go all the way. I'm saying that Bolton will. I'm hoping Portsmouth's little blip carries on for a while. And I'm hoping that we can find the wherewithal to go on a similar run than the, to the one that we did in October, November time where the experience of having so many 30-somethings in your squad actually is something that pays dividends. Um, we need to get on some kind of role. I think for the supporters as well, it's not just about winning a few games, but I think what the supporters need, particularly at Pride Park, is a couple of really good performances, commanding performances, like the games against uh, Exeter and Northampton, when we were just brilliant, you know, uh, and absolutely wiped the floor with those opponents. Now, we know that that's not going to happen every week, but it'd be nice to see if we get a, a performance like that in February and maybe one in early March, points being picked up along the way and get some momentum again. And I'm just fingers crossed firmly that we can we can finish second to Bolton and uh, go up automatically. Uh, and Anton, do you, can you see us going on 
uh, another promotion winning run? I mean, I can't add too much more to, to what Martin's uh, summarised about the other teams, really. I, I, I think we we certainly can do it. Um, and your recent round table with the other challengers filled me with a little bit more confidence cut because it seems like they've all got fairly similar issues with squad depth and, mm. and attacking capabilities. So if we put another run together, then then we certainly can do it. I my gut says we we fall just short and and probably finish finish third, which will be pretty be pretty devastating. I actually think we we could we could do okay in the playoffs. We we heard from the uh, from from Pompey that they've they've got an even worse record than us in in the playoffs, and we'd also come up against most likely a couple of other teams who don't have so much experience of playoff campaigns. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I'm not sure, but having a bit of experience in our squad could could bode well for a playoff campaign not that any of us would particularly look forward to that but yeah my, my gut says we fall just short but we we could we could go up by the playoffs yeah i said on the league one round table that we would finish third and i will i'll stick with that i i think bolton and i think i said bolton and peterborough at the time i'm i do i do i, I do think maybe the peterborough lack of depth might they really, yeah. If we complain about lack of depth, people really have got a lack of depth. And Pompey, I have been kind of impressed by the signings they've made, including Lang from Wigan, who scored on his debut uh, the other night. Um, so maybe Pompey have actually addressed some of their issues, particularly going forward. They're, they're shy of goals, and they've maybe brought some more in. So maybe I'll say Pompey will get second. But we'll leave it there. Martin, are you, are you off anywhere this weekend? Are you, have you got a commentary gig, or have you got? You got uh, yeah, up? Manchester United Sunday. Manchester United against West Ham. So, um, what's the, we uh, always what, hear about Old Trafford falling apart. What's the gantry like at Old Trafford? Yeah, the gantry is very good, actually, Coach. It's, okay. it's one of my favourites because it's it's not easy to get to. You've got to get a certain passcode that gets you through a door that nobody else can get through. <laughs> but once you're actually up on the gantry, you then walk the you know the roof here. You walk underneath the roof, unlike Everton, where you actually walk on top of the roof and take your life in your hands. So, I'm quite pleased that Goodison is going to be no more. In a while, but uh, yeah, you walk uh, along the gant, uh, walk along the pathway, and then drop down into gantry. And the way it is, it's slung under the roof, and you are literally over the touchline. Oh, so wow. it is a terrific, a terrific view. Um, Liverpool used to be fantastic. The old Anfield main stand was very similar to that. The new one, it looks great, but in terms of viewing position for the commentator, you, you're too far away. You, you're too high and too far back from the pitch. So I don't particularly like that anymore. But Manchester United is right up there. I was going to go to Charlton, actually, with my mates who were all going down there on a special day out. But um, family commitments prevent me from doing so this weekend. So uh, I'll be listening and trying to find out if we get February off to a winning start for once. <laughs> yeah, uh, let's hope so. So, Martin, well, you, you enjoy Old Trafford. So have a good weekend. And Anton, Thanks. I'll see you at the Valley in League One. Um, while, while Martin's enjoying the country uh, in the Premier League. Have a good one. Cheers. Anton, take care. Cheers, Catch. See you Saturday. See you Saturday, Rams fans.